You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is the Artist Profile Series, Episode 7. The Sanskrit word sadhu means holy man. In Hinduism, it refers to one who intensely follows a path of spiritual discipline or has vowed their life to religious aestheticism. A sadhu is someone who has renounced worldly pleasures, has forfeited the occupations of the ordinary world, family, money, and a home. The man known as Sadhu Sundar Singh was born in 1889 into a Sikh family in the region of Punjab. His mother was deeply religious and saw to it that Sundar was raised in accordance with the essential teachings of their ancestral religion as well as those of various other religions in India, such as Hinduism, Buddhism, and Islam. It was her dream that Sundar would one day choose the way of a sadhu. By the age of seven, some accounts claim that young Sundar knew the Bhagavad Gita by heart and that by 16, he had read the Quran, numerous Upanishads, and the Sikh holy book, the Granth. Alongside of these studies, Sundar had also been educated at a local Presbyterian missionary school, though his father vehemently opposed Christianity. Here, he read the Bible for the first time, but felt a deep sense of animosity toward the Christian scriptures, as they seemed to subvert all he had learned and treasured in those religious texts of his childhood. This animosity increased until finally he tore up the pages of his copy of the New Testament and burned them over a fire. But sometime around the age of 15, Sundar had an encounter that radically reshaped his understanding of the spirit world as he knew it. In 1902, Sundar's beloved mother died, and then shortly after, one of his older brothers died as well. His religious upbringing offered little to console the grief he felt over these tragedies. His heart was void of peace, and he was becoming increasingly frustrated that no one seemed to be able to answer his religious questions. Finally, Sundar determined he would pray for God to reveal himself to him, and if he did not, he would take his own life by placing his head on the railroad as the morning train passed by. That morning, at 4.30 a.m., Sundar recounts, I saw something strange. There was a glow in the room. At first, I thought there was a fire in the house, but looking through the door and windows, I could see no cause for the light. Then the thought came to me, perhaps this was an answer from God. So I returned to my accustomed place and prayed, looking into the strange light. Then I saw a figure in the light, strange but somehow familiar at once. It was neither Siva, nor Krishna, nor any of the other Hindu incarnations I had expected. Then I heard a voice speaking to me in Urdu. Sundar, how long will you mock me? I've come to save you because you've prayed to find the way of truth. Why then don't you accept it? It was then I saw the marks of blood on his hands and feet and knew that it was Yesu, the one proclaimed by the Christians. 
In amazement, I fell at his feet. I was filled with deep sorrow and remorse for my insults and my irreverence, but also with a wonderful peace. This was the joy I had been seeking. This was heaven. Then the vision was gone, though my peace and joy remained. After this experience, Sundar professed himself as a follower of Jesus and took on the aesthetic lifestyle of a sadhu. His family, enraged at his decision, threw him out of the house and disinherited him. From here, Sundar set out to live as a homeless, wandering preacher, journeying across India, Nepal, and Tibet. He eventually spent some time in an Anglican seminary, but withdrew after being asked to cast off his traditional saffron robe and turban in exchange for respectable Western clothing. His traditional robe was customarily worn by Sikh and Hindu holy men, but for Sundar, it represented his following the way of a sadhu devoted to Christ. Sundar, or the Apostle of the Bleeding Feet as he had become known, left for another trek to Tibet by way of the Himalayan mountains. When he returned, he told the story of having met a 300-year-old Christian hermit, the Maharishi of the Kailas, living in a mountain cave. According to Sundar, he had spent several weeks in prayer and meditation with the Maharishi, and after this experience, his life was never the same. His frequent visions and spiritual encounters increased in depth and intensity. Many of his visions and experiences involved encounters with Jesus himself. Here's an account from Sundar's own words. Once, on a dark night, I went alone into the forest to pray, and seating myself upon a rock, I laid before God my deep necessities and sought his help. After a short time, seeing a poor man coming toward me, I thought he had come to ask me for some relief because he was hungry and cold. I said to him, I am a poor man, and except this blanket, I have nothing at all. You'd better go to the village nearby and ask for help there. And even while I was saying this, he flashed forth like lightning, and showering drops of blessing immediately disappeared. And it was now clear to me that this was my beloved master who came not to beg from a poor creature like me, but to bless and to enrich me. And so I was left weeping and lamenting my folly and lack of insight. Sundar's unorthodox faith in Christ continued to be met with harsh opposition, both from Western Christians who didn't embrace his incarnation of the faith, as well as those of his own people who several times beat him and attempted to kill him because of his unwavering faith in Jesus. Yet Sundar's notoriety continued to expand beyond the borders of India. He eventually traveled to Japan, Germany, and Europe, even to Australia, Norway, and the United States. He also returned several times to the Himalayas and claims to have met again with the Maharishi. Sundar's critics claimed his visions weren't so much supernatural, but resulted from a strained mental health that brought about the sadhu's visions. Eventually, despite the opposition, Sundar's impact spread far and wide and influenced important spiritual leaders such as Mahatma Gandhi, with whom he met several times, 
and also C.S. Lewis. There was a time in his life when Sundar Singh had become one of the four most famous names in India. As the years passed, the Sado's visions increased alongside of his fame. Once during one of his many fasts, he recognized as he focused less on the needs of his physical being, the realm of beauty opened up to him all the more. He recounts seeing Jesus appear before him with a perfect face. His body emitted flashes of living truth and love in full strength. Following the experience, Sundar wrote that he now shows himself in all places, in all things. He is in the beating of the heart, the breath, the rays of the sun, the dew, the wind, the bird's song and the insect's chirp. In the green breath of the fields and the height of the trees, he only, he himself who was and is now and will be endlessly. Here's another of Sundar's sayings along these same lines. He said, One day I saw a flower and began to contemplate its fragrance and beauty. As I thought more deeply, I recognized the creator of such wonders, not with my mortal eyes, but with my spiritual eyes. This filled my heart with joy, but my joy was still greater when I recognized that same creator at work within my own soul. How wonderful is God, separate from creation, yet ever filling it with his glorious presence. Toward the end of his life in 1927, the sadhu's health had begun to fail, inhibiting his preaching journeys. And so he gave himself to meditation and writing down his many parables, teachings, and sayings. In 1929, Sundar determined to make one final journey to Tibet. He set off toward the mountains, perhaps anticipating one last meeting with the Maharishi along the way. But instead, Sundar was never seen again. No one knows whether he died of exhaustion, or if he fell ill, or if perhaps he was killed by those who opposed his Christian faith. His disappearance remains a mystery, for his body was never found. When I think of the life of this eccentric misfit, several things come to mind. I'm impacted by his unwavering conviction in what had so gripped his life. He was willing to stake his all to follow this path, even leaving his family and home, turning down what could have been a prosperous lifestyle in the West. He stayed true to what had burned in his heart and never compromised to appease the acceptable norm. As a result, Sundar reached tens of thousands of people and stood before the giants of his day, never tempted to bow down to popularity or to pander in the face of the status quo. Whatever ultimately happened to the sadhu, or whether his visions were genuine or contrived, as his critics claimed, Sundar lived a life of beauty and found peace, wonder, and an otherworldly appeal despite inhospitable circumstances around him. And who knows, maybe the sadhu is still in the mountain cave talking with the Maharishi. Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This episode was written and produced by myself, Stephen Roach. Music was provided by Christopher Hale and can be found in the show notes of this episode. 
Be sure to follow Makers and Mystics on Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the production of these conversations, you can join our creative collective at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. We'll see you next week for one of our full interview episodes. Thank you.